Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, April 5th, and this is your FT News Briefing. One of Silicon Valley's most influential venture capital firms is going to have a new leader. A Chinese technology giant is caught between opportunity in Russia and U.S. sanctions. And in Europe, calls to cut energy ties with Russia are growing louder. Plus, Elon Musk has taken a huge stake in Twitter. Uh, it is unusual for any individual CEO to take a personal stake in another company, particularly one that doesn't necessarily have uh, relevance to his industry or expertise. But with Elon, everything's on the table, I guess. The FT Sujit Indap will help us figure out Musk's latest move. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The venture capital firm Sequoia Capital is a bedrock of Silicon Valley. For the past 50 years, it's backed tech companies that have reshaped consumer and corporate life, including Apple and Google. Yesterday, it announced a rare leadership change. Rulof Bota will take over in July when the current CEO, Doug Leon, retires. Bota now runs Sequoia's U.S. and European operations. This is only the third leadership change in the firm's history. But the new head of Sequoia won't have full control of the firm's global operations. A letter to investors spelled out limits to Bota's new role, especially when it comes to Sequoia's China operation. Yesterday, French President Emmanuel Macron proposed a full ban on Russian oil and coal. This comes as details emerge of Russian atrocities in Ukraine, including mass killings. The EU wants to escalate pressure on Russia, but it's been held back by Europe's dependence on Russian energy. Germany's finance minister yesterday said all options were on the table. The FT's Brussels bureau chief Sam Fleming says Germany already has plans to wean itself off Russian energy, but at a slower pace. It's set out policies uh, to wean itself off Russian coal, oil and gas, but over a cautiously uh, defined uh, protracted period rather than going cold turkey. And what we've seen from German ministers, including Robert Habeck, the economy minister, has been a reiteration really of that point. Germany has already suggested it's going to work towards uh, stopping coal exports from Russia by the end of the summer uh, and Russian oil imports by the end of this year, and then substantially weaning itself off gas imports from Russia midway through 2024. But what he appears to be saying is that, uh, reiterating the point of view, that this needs to be done gradually rather than uh, in a sort of overnight move. The problem is that this comes uh, against a, a growing feeling among many capitals in the EU, obviously in the US as well, that a very, very big response is now required in terms of sanctions given what is transpiring in Ukraine. There's also differing views on how damaging an energy ban would be. Clearly, German industry is very strong in saying that, especially on the gas front, this just um, would be too damaging for German industry to suddenly stop uh, Russian gas imports. Uh, on the other hand, we had Aldous Dombrovskis, who's the executive vice president of the European Commission, saying on the doorstep that while undoubtedly uh, cutting Russian gas uh, would be damaging, he also suggested it was something that the European economy uh, could manage to deal with. Sam Fleming is the FT's Brussels bureau chief. Thank you.
One of the most influential people on Twitter is, of course, Tesla CEO Elon Musk. He's got more than 80 million followers on the social media site. But why settle for influence when you can have ownership? Yesterday, U.S. regulators disclosed that Musk had taken a nearly 10% stake in Twitter, making him the largest individual shareholder in the social media company. Our U.S. Lex editor, Sujit Indap, has some thoughts on this. Uh, it's fairly extraordinary that uh, Elon Musk is worth roughly $200 billion, something close to that, and can single-handedly just reach into his piggy bank or bank account and put a couple of billion dollars into a really big, famous company uh, like you and I would put some of our 401k allocation into index funds, let's say. And uh, Elon Musk is going to be really rich no matter what happens with this deal, even though it's going to be potentially very influential at a, at a very large company. That said, Sujit, why do you think Musk is doing this? What might he be thinking? So it's unclear what he wants. Is he trying to just uh, put some of his $200 billion fortune to work? Does he just want to be a contrarian uh, or just confuse the world and be the center of the conversation? Or some have even speculated he could be part of uh, perhaps a buyout group that could take Twitter private. This had been contemplated a few years ago when the hedge fund Elliott uh, and Silver Lake uh, were, were agitating at the same time, he's the CEO of a, a big public company called Tesla that's worth more than a trillion dollars, and that theoretically should keep him busy too. So it's all uh, a head scratcher, but with the 10% stake uh, being the largest shareholder, it's worth several billion dollars now. Um, he can definitely make himself uh, a voice uh, in the boardroom uh, if he wants uh, in the way he has on the platform itself. Okay, so Twitter clearly liked this yesterday. It was up about 30% after the announcement was made. Um, do people think that Musk is going to be good for the company? Or is this kind of just rolling with a whole meme stock craze that we've seen over the past few years? Yeah, that's a, a great observation. I mean, it seems like this immediately turns Twitter into a meme stock and you wonder how much uh, of his uh, fanboys and acolytes are uh, just piling into the stock. Twitter has struggled uh, of late. Uh, tech companies have struggled of late generally, but uh, there's always been a question on uh, for as uh, much influence as Twitter has in the broader discourse. Uh, it hasn't been a great growth stock as a business that generates ad revenue in, this, in the way that Facebook uh, used to, or even Snap now, which is valued uh, much more at a higher multiple than, than Twitter. So uh, it very well could be he just thinks the stock is cheap too, and it's going to run up either because uh, there's this meme stock phenomena or the, the business is actually going to turn around and uh, become the, uh, the growth story that they've hoped for for years. Sujit Indap is U.S. editor of our Lex column. Russia's war in Ukraine has been a boon for Chinese companies. The telecoms giant Huawei, for one, saw phone sales in Russia rise 300% in the first two weeks of March, just as Western companies were suspending operations because of sanctions. Other Chinese companies saw similar gains, but for Huawei... Expanding further into Russia is a tricky decision. If it chooses to take the opportunity and really sell into Russia, then it's going to potentially cut off the rest of its business in the West. As the FT's China technology correspondent, Ryan McMurrow, he reminds us that Huawei has been under tough U.S. sanctions since 2020. So after Huawei was sanctioned by the U.S., they really started going hard at a lot of different sanction-proofing projects because there were so many different areas that they had to beef up to be able to continue selling smartphones and telecom gear throughout the world. There's just so many U.S. components, software involved in the tech supply chain that 
Huawei has, has really had to try to reinvent the wheel. So it started hiring and building Russian research centers because there's a lot of good engineers there. Ryan says U.S. officials are watching Huawei and they say they could take action if they find the company bypassing sanctions to sell to Russia. Meanwhile, Huawei has remained tight-lipped for other reasons. Just in China, the, there's so much support for Russia's war in Ukraine that Chinese companies that have come out and said that they're not doing business with Russia anymore have all come under nationalist attacks online. So if Huawei, which is like this Chinese national champion and is really the pride of many of these nationalists, if Huawei was to cut off Russia, it would definitely face attacks uh, at home. Ryan McMurrow is the FT's China technology correspondent. Before we go, some news from the fusion energy front. A British energy startup called First Light Fusion has managed to combine atomic nuclei in what could be a big step in generating fusion energy. That's the reaction that powers the sun, and scientists have been trying for decades to make it commercially viable. It's low carbon, it's safe, and a small amount is believed to be able to power a house for hundreds of years. First Light's approach is called projectile fusion. It generates energy in the form of neutrons by forcing deuterium isotopes to fuse. Now, I don't know what that means, but the company says this could be a faster route to commercial fusion power. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.